0: we are here i'm burning up but we're back in the heat in hell with mega sheen (laughs) (laughs) our geeky podcast that talks about black and queer things from a black queer perspective um that's not the the proper announcement but i'm hot
1: um I'm Victor. Just fucking delirious over here. My God. (laughs) (laughs) We're gonna having a heat stroke.
0: Wait, are y'all hot down in Kentucky? Oh, hell no. No, we are It's forcing folks to just basically just come outside naked.
1: It's Uh a nice 82 outside.
0: (laughs) It is a nice, let's see where we are right now. Oh, 113
1: yeah you know my my dumb ass would probably like running in that shit
0: you might like it it's again like you can feel it even through the air conditioning that's why it's just like and i've lived in dry heat arizona was dry heat i lived in that and it would get up to this and you would would think about it because it's dry Mm mm-hmm here it is something else. So it makes you question if you really need to be out in the street or not. I was going to go wash my car today. Well, maybe I should go. At least that's cold water.
1: You better <laughs> wait until it rains. <laughs> it
0: All right. So we are here. Nick is here. Nick, how are you doing? Oh,
1: I'm okay for the most part. <laughs> I could go into this whole shplio of like what was my life? But I'll save that for the therapy session.
0: <laughs> Highlight girlfriends are. It's on Netflix this coming week. So
1: yeah, it's coming what September the 11th.
0: Yeah, there will be
1: something. To turn I, into. I would love to see like a roundtable discussion of each season by like I would like to see Rebecca Theodore. Shannon Miller. Um, Who else? A couple of other people. I would like to see, like, them do that. Talk about each season. That would be nice.
0: That would be nice. I kind of wish that, you know, um, Noah's Ark was, you know, able to go as long. Because who knows what they could have, the story could have developed into or... Yeah. All that type of stuff. But one day we will have our own <laughs> that will go somewhere beyond the YouTube world. No shade to the YouTube web series. But one day we will have we will have something on, on TV.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, I actually, I'm still going, I have the box set of Girlfriends and I will most likely watch it on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, I'm halfway season with halfway finished with season two. Yeah, I think so too. But yeah. Anyway, uh, how are you? I'm
0: good, burning up. Um, you know, it's you know, it's, it's I don't know. I'm kind of in that weird space of like, you know, I guess everything is okay.
1: <laughs> as, oh, as okay as it can be
0: yeah as it I mean. can be it's like it is what it is you know things are going where they're going you know i would love to, have to you know get a raise um i, I kind of revealed on twitter that you know i'm gonna have to just buckle down and just pay at thirteen hundred, thirteen fifty a month for a place if i want my own i realize now i really want a place of my own and you know sometimes people are like what if you want to move in with somebody or y'all get, you know, I'm like, well, yeah, I need that three year and, you know, of like let me live on my own first and then we can live together because you know, it's that you don't want to just move in with somebody right away. Cause just to put up all the things they do like and mm-hmm. loud and farting and stuff. And I think it's time to like find your own place and like make it your own. I want plants. I've never had plants that I want. Uh-huh. Um, and just my own little space, you know, if I want to just sit in my drawers, I can do that. Um, not watch <laughs> it right away, I can do that too. Just, I just want that space. Um, even though we have a big space here. It's a two story, three bathroom space. Um, two bedrooms are on different opposite ends of places. I still want my own. So mm-hmm. that's what I'm gonna have to do. 2021 is my date of doing so. So I will start probably collecting furniture and putting it in storage until it's time to, I have to put that storage on a on a time limit though, like three months storage only right. uh, as I collect the furniture. And it's not really hard to collect furniture these days because I think that what the Facebook marketplace, there's so many apps now that you can, people are literally throwing away furniture. So you can just be like, oh, I might can go pick this up for free or for twenty dollars or something like that. So Right. We'll see. We'll
1: see. Isn't that thirteen hundred dollars is not that bad. I mean, is it like one bedroom? Is it two? Like It's one. And it's usually they're
0: they're spacious. Um, it's just me realizing that I just can't frivolously spin after that. Like it's nice to be able to frivolously spin. Like if you want to order like three T shirts that are $20 a piece, you know, you don't have to think twice about it or, you know, whatever. But then I had to sit down and, and be an adult and think about let's look at what, you know, do you still want to have a compact closet of everything or do you want to have space? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. you know, on your couch or, you know, be able to do, watch what you want to watch, on, you know, do what you want to do, have somebody over, you know, right? All those things without have to worry about your housemate or Else, I don't you know, you want it to where you just want that freedom again. I had that for three years when I lived here. When my my partner and I um broke up, I had my own space for three years and it felt great. Now I want it back, so you have to make sacrifices. I know that's right. <laughs> you have to make sacrifices, um, you know, because what if you wanted to do an, a, a, a hell, if you wanted to have a party?
1: You're about to say orgy. <laughs> Huh? I say you were about to say orgy.
0: Well, if if you want to do that, <laughs> you want your own space. I would not do that because I don't want everybody's stuff in my house. But you know, but I'm just saying if you, you if you did, I mean that's true. You want your own space. You want to be able to control it. You know, nobody should have to like they have to sneak people in when they think you're asleep. Right. <laughs> Basically, I'm calling somebody out, but I'm just saying that nobody should have to feel like that. So that's why I'm like, it's time to have your own space. All right, well, let's get into it because we have a great interview later with um, someone, which you will get to find out very soon. You probably already know because you'll see it in the title. Um, but, um, let's go ahead and get into what's been going on because apparently stuff is happening regardless of the pandemic. So let's go ahead and jump into Ray Fisher and the drama he has with Warner Brothers.
1: <laughs> this has been going on. It feels like this has been going on for a while. Mm-hmm. And I am, I'm all for Ray Fisher, mm-hmm. uh, So if you don't know, uh, Ray has been going back and forth with Warner Brothers over uh, abusive and gross conduct that was on the set of Justice League, where he appeared as Cyborg. Um, His allegations were against the director, Joss Whedon, um, that he was abusive and did all of this other stuff. saying that he tried to keep uh, him in line. It was just very... I wasn't surprised when I heard that, you know, and then um, Warner Brothers issue a statement uh, saying that they're going to do some investigation. And then it's just been this back and forth with him in the uh, studio. And I'm... I'm not sure what's going to happen, especially I'm not sure what's going to happen to his career as far as more DC movies yeah, or more movies in general. Cause you know how people can get blackballed. Like we saw that with uh, Brendan Fisher. We saw that with so many other actresses, actors and actresses like they started speaking out about stuff and then all of a sudden you would never hear from them again. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, it's interesting because, you know, he wanted the investigation and then I think it was this Friday night or something, um, you know, Warner Brothers, you know, released a statement saying that they have, you know, they don't, basically they basically don't believe him. Um, They were, you know, they were trying to say that, you know, they don't see where this is coming from um and they've been investigating this and they don't basically they just don't believe them um but what ray ended up doing was kind of he kind of documented the things that he said so if y'all follow him on twitter he put up you know where he has talked to um investigators he has done all these things um but he also says that he was contacted by um the president of, of, of well the, the of dc film i can't talk today um Walter Hamna, I'm saying his last name wrong, so I apologize. Um, he um, says that Walter um, wanted him to throw Josh Wheaton and, and John Berg under the bus so it can really help Jeff Johns. Jeff Johns um, worked at DC Comics, but also has been working with DC Films. And I think he was at a very high role, but he just stepped down from that. Um, but now they're saying, that, no, we didn't even, you know, we didn't say that to Ray. So it's this is back and forth of who said what, you know, who shot John basically. And
1: mm-hmm.
0: basically what we're hearing is um, they have, um, that Ray wanted to have a third party investigator. Um, what Warner Brothers is saying that they will have that, but they've been trying to reach out to Ray and Ray has not has not responded. Ray said that he, this has not happened. That's not true. So it's, again, it's going back and forth. Um, it will be with Warner media versus Warner brothers. So I guess that's the third party piece. Um, no, Warner media is hiring third party investigator. Um, but they are the ones, I guess it's coming from their side at this point. So uh-huh. it's, again, y'all it's a, it's a lot to really get the story together, but it looks like it's a, he, he said, she said thing. Um, and, you know, Ray said he's talked to the crew, he's talked to everybody, he's been in line with the investigator, but, you know, Warner Brothers is saying, or Warner, it, you know, Warner Brothers is saying that it's, he hasn't been cooperating and what have you. So what I am afraid of is this could hurt his career um, because the way it's being worded is it's coming off like Ray was, you know, one of his scenes was mad because his scenes were cut from Joss Whedon's version of Justice League, but Zack's version has all of those scenes cut, I mean, back on with the movie. Um, And so he said he was trying to suggest, like, bring his scenes back, Um, the way the the president of DC Films were saying that, you know, this happens in the process, a lot of scenes get cut, Um, a lot of things are not there, which is why you have, you know, sometimes the bonus cuts where you get DVDs, whatever. Um, But, you know, for the way that I feel like Warner Brothers is playing it is coming off they're making it come off like Ray is being kind of disgruntled and, you know, mad right. things were cut. Um, which, you know, I guess anybody would be mad that seems to cut. Um, and but they were saying that, you know, it just didn't fit the story they were trying to tell, so that's why he's going after Joss and everyone else. Again, it's a, it's a whole big thing. And you know, Ray is a up and coming actor and I'm and it it does make me afraid because they can play it like, oh, he's just trying to get all these things that he hasn't earned yet and he's just being that type of actor. And the other reason why I'm afraid is because we haven't heard from any of his colleagues. Nobody is right. saying, <laughs> nothing is coming from Gal Gadot, you know. Um, nothing's coming from, you know, the, that guy from Flash. Uh, uh, from yeah. Him, Ben Affleck. Nothing is coming from any of the actors who are part right. of so it does make me afraid because it looks like, and I don't know if that's a legal thing, but it does look it, it like it, it's coming mostly from him. If other people, like I remember when um, uh, I forgot her name, the actress she played Kitty Pride in X Men. Ellen Page. Yeah. So you go with the names, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but they were talking about you know the abuse, like there was you know kind of the harassment and abuse they were having on set and I also remember the actress who played Rogue actually backed her up on that, saying like, yes, this this stuff was happening or what have you. And then Halle Berry and others, some people were saying things. We just haven't heard anything from anybody from Justice League and you know who were, who played the other characters. So I'm just a little worried this is going to get lost somewhere or is this gonna play into this realm where it looks like Ray is the one who's just causing the problems and that's it. So I'm wishing him luck. I hope this doesn't hurt his career. I hope that some type of truth comes out. Um, But, you know, it's a a lot. It's like David and and Goliath right now because he's going against giants. Mm -hmm. Um, And so who knows, you know, maybe, maybe Zach Schneider may say something, who knows?
1: Well, let's hope so because we, I am rooting for Ray. Yeah, and he was on. Um, what was it, last year or the year before last? He was on a uh, uh, friend of the show, the For All Nerds. Yeah. Um, their their episode. Uh, and I liked this interview. Yeah. So,
0: you know, good luck, Ray. Um, we're gonna keep watching this because we're gonna see how this plays out. Um, hopefully, they'll get. Wherever they need in this investigation, um, and it's tough because I know there's people who are still fans of Josh Whedon, and there's people who are fans of Ray, or maybe fans of both, and it's and it's maybe causing some issues. But we just need the truth, um, and we just need this to be over with. And I hope Ray gets what he deserves because, you know, we will see it in the Schneider cut, um, but you know, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm just hoping that they don't replace him because of, of all the stuff
1: that he's doing right now. So. Right. Don't do what can't live.
0: <laughs> 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 or a, a war machine. And, you know, you think about that, you know, when they replace right. him. Uh, and that was kind of done in a way that we didn't, you didn't really hear a lot about, that there was no back and forth. It was just like it was done and that was it. And Don Cheadle was it. And that was it. <laughs> it was like done that's what i'm afraid of because we already have uh another cyborg out there um in doom patrol so that's my fear is they may just say hey dude you want to replace him and play in this um who knows they can say this is another version this is another cyborg from another dimension you know they are already bringing in different batmans and all that other stuff so who knows
1: that is true you know um do like a uh Earth 2, or whatever the fuck. But, yeah, we'll see.
0: Let's see. Let's see. Another drama, we have Mulan. Mulan came out this weekend, if you wanted to pay that extra money to watch the movie. There was mixed reviews. Some people loved it, some people did not. Um, but apparently there was some controversy because there was um, the actress, the actress... Um, came out in support of Hong Kong police, and apparently that their police is about as worse as ours, <laughs> about attacking pro-democratic people there. Um, and so the actress um, said that she supported the, the cops, um, and they wanted a boycott of the movie. It's that was very interesting because I don't know the the overall politics over there, but apparently they're they are closer they are already at the level that we're trying not to get to when it comes to how the police <laughs> are in hong kong um and so i mean i get it you know a lot of them were yeah, like well,
1: there was protesting um what was it the last year mm-hmm. um and some of those like the the videos that i saw the police were super aggressive. Like yeah. there was one video where they had cornered this woman and like, they were just beating the shit out of her. Um, and then you had the protesters that were hella, um, Oh gosh, what's the word? They were together. Like uh, I saw that how they would, uh, deal with smoke bombs, like putting, a. a, a traffic cone over it or how they would if something would be thrown their way like a a tear gas or whatnot they would have their tennis rackets out there and hit it back over there um like they just not didn't give a fuck um and it's like you've seen these kind of uh these kind of things in france you've seen them in other countries where they will get in these police's ass.
0: Yeah.
1: What if it's if it comes to that? Hence us over here, you know, I get it because how deadly the police are, but just once I just want to see these activists and these protesters just beat the shit out of these cops. <laughs> and maybe that's just me wanting violence or chaos, but some of these police gotta get these hands.
0: Yeah, um, and, I, and they do over there, they do kind of fight back. Um, so what it looks like right now is the Thai and the Taiwanese has joined the Hong Kong um, activists to really go, uh, you know, to really fight back against the police brutality. But with the actress saying that she supports them, um, they're coming after her because they was saying that, well, she's, you know, since she's also, An American citizen. She doesn't understand what we're going through. And it seems like um, for her to say something like that was kind of, you know, tone deaf. Um, It's just really caused a lot of issues over there and they wanted to boycott. I don't know how Mulan did over here. I don't know how many people watched it. Again, it was mixed reviews from what, you know, from what I saw on Twitter. Um, $35 to see Mulan. Mm.
1: Yeah, I'm good.
0: Yeah, I'm good. So... Um, that was just interesting how that came up this weekend because it was a it was it is something that we need to pay attention to and it's something that you know uh, again what 's happening in one country um, does affect other you know how people feel about that particular how particular people so again you know that's that was something that just popped up this weekend that was really trying to get people to boycott the movie um but if y'all you know I would love to know what people what those who watched it and loved it, I would love to hear what they had to say about it. But um, yeah, it's just interesting that all this stuff is happening right now.
1: Right. And I know uh, some people, uh, there were certain things that were taken out of the movie. Mm -hmm. And even like they said, they were going to charge $30 and then in December it was going to be free. I'm like, well, why didn't you just... I mean, I understand like some people, like families for instance, like little kids that wanted to go see it and that would be good for, you know, a family Friday night film, whatever. But a regular old, regular nigga is not gonna pay $30 just to see a movie that comes out that I can see free in two months.
0: Yeah, that's true. And I I haven't even seen the original Mulan. Right, I I haven't either. I haven't, you know, that. I saw parts of it, because I think Donnie Osmond played like, the singing voice for <laughs> that one Of know? course. <laughs> I know, that's the only thing I know. Um, and Christina Aguilera did, this, did the theme song and she redid it, which actually sounds really good. So I, I would give her credit for that. The, the, re, mm-hmm. the new version sounds really good too. So, you know, we'll kind of move on from Milan, but that's what the news was about her. I um, think we should have kept this with the Ray story because John Bodega had just came completely out with the whole issues of of Star Wars and how um, Ryan um, Johnson did him versus how J.J. J. Abrams did him and his character. It was a lot. So if y'all yes. didn't keep that, that was a lot of stuff that came out. Was it was a Banny was Bear? Um, I think artist? it was a GQ. GQ, yeah.
1: Yeah, British GQ. And there uh,
0: yes. Go
1: ahead. It was uh yeah, he let the chopper fly. <laughs> he said, I don't give a fuck. Him, uh like ever since, you know, they kinda concluded his story in Star Wars, him and uh Oscar Isaac have been saying, you know, we don't fuck with them anymore. Uh, he said, Oh, what was that? like, I'm the only cast member whose experience of Star Wars was based on their race. Like, and it makes so much sense because when The Force Awakens came out, we saw this Black man. We were like, oh shit, it's going down in Star Wars finally after so many fucking years. And then we get to the actual movie and then it wasn't even about him. I'm like, okay, maybe they left all that shit on the cutting room or maybe he was just like, oh basically they they jigged us. Like made it made it seem like, oh, this movie is gonna be about this black uh Jedi. We're gonna get uh, the the nigga Je- Jedi Navy is going up, yada yada yada. And then we get to the movie and it's just like, oh, all these white people, oh, and then that black man over there. I'm like, okay.
0: And you know they did that throughout all those movies. Um, you know it just felt like he was just there but not there. And you know it, it, I remember I thought in the in the Force Awakens that he was going to be a Jedi. You know it just kind of played that as what was going to happen to him. You know John talked about how he felt like they just did not really give his character any type of you know nuance or anything. You know everybody else had nuance. You know the white characters had nuance. Him and oh Iceland. of course they did. Um, <laughs> Um, and Kelly, Kelly Tran, uh,
1: you know, yeah.
0: they did not, they kind of had like, "Are oh, we here. <laughs> and when The missing. they brought in the black woman at the last um, movie where it was like, they really didn't have anything to do with her. Like she was brought in the last act. So it just really, you know, I felt what John was saying and I felt like, yeah, they hyped him up to give him nothing you know, to give us nothing. You know, when it came to this character, there was so much they could have done with it. It would have been nice to see a black Jedi. It would have been nice to see him more of the story, because you know, personally, I, I didn't need another Star War, uh, a Star Walker, um, Skywalker, or, you know, Ray could have been like, in the background too. They could have just flipped it and had, you know, it could have been about Flynn be- having these abilities and. Being this Jedi, or being someone that didn't know where he really came from—that would have been a great story to kind of play on. But I also understand that, you know, some people are like, well, they was also focusing on a woman, and I get that, and I totally get that. But it just felt like um, when it came to the characters of color, they just got what they got. You know, whatever was left was given to them. So, and who knows? There will be more Star Star Wars movies in the future. I just hope that whatever we get since we're done with the skywalker series um that we kind of start focusing on something else if you're going to have something about space it's too big of a world to just focus on the white characters
1: right how the hell are we supposed to you believe in aliens and whatnot and all of these galaxies and all of these different races and whatnot but you only see white as the final frontier or the space travelers. Like, get the fuck out of here. (laughs) Like, please get the fuck out of here. You're not gonna tell me that black people are not gonna be in space, in sci-fi films in the future. No, I won't hear it. You don't have to kill us all. Yeah. (laughs) True.
0: Um, and um, we are now in the space and place um, where we're about to celebrate um, Wonder Woman because our next year is our 80th anniversary. And to do that, they are, this just, this just came out um, basically, but they're doing a book like the history of Wonder Woman all over and they're featuring like AOC, um, I think Hillary Clinton, um, Elizabeth Warren um, they also announced today they're going to feature Beyonce.
1: So I like should that be... lineup. Huh? I said I like that lineup.
0: <laughs> so it's going to be a pretty good book to see. Also, um, if y'all remember, um, Historia is a big Wonder Woman book coming out, which a um, friend of the show, Phil Jimenez, has been drawing over, like, for a while now. It's going to be a big-ass book. So that's coming out. I just wanted to throw that out there because then that's what Beyonce um, is fascinating considering that, you know, um, there's rumors that she wants something to do with with the Wonder Woman series in the future. Don't know what that really is about, but we'll see. See, she can do whatever she can. She has the ability to do it and the power. So that's gonna be interesting to see.
1: I will say this, (laughs) I love and respect Beyonce <laughs> however I don't want to see her as Nubia oh no I don't no. want to see her as some sort of I, I, no I just no no
0: yeah let her produce she could probably produce some stuff with it or the soundtrack or everything else hi don't come for us but we just I think the things that she's been doing is is just fine but um, who knows what she, I mean, she already has Disney on that. She could she be her own superhero for Marvel. Who knows?
1: <laughs> I mean, or you know what? You know what? I'm not going to put that in because somebody's going to take that idea and it's All probably right. already out anyway. So never mind.
0: Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, so yeah, that was a quick piece of news that just came out. Um, but also, what's been going on is the boys' second season has already started. Um, they're doing, I think, an episode every week, every Friday. Second season, they promise to be more gorier, more exciting, and more crazier. It is. I've watched the first three, um, but there's already some controversy with one of the characters named Stormfront. I'm going to spoil this a little bit. In the third episode, she is basically in a housing project where she's going after someone, and she is killing Black folks left and right just because they're in her way. um people are not happy about this um and i heard about it before i watched the episode i watched it um and i was like okay and i get what they're trying to do they're trying to portray her as like get the job done regardless of whatever people are you know uh, are are gnats compared to what the main goal is or whatever expendable um but the way that scene played out, it was just like, wow. Okay, I don't... Hmm. At the, the, the the timing of that scene. Right. Uh, because of what's happening. Now, again, this is this third episode. It may be addressed throughout there, so I don't want to jump on that bandwagon yet, because it may be played out in, in, in the story about what she did and the impact of that. Um, because they, they kind of alluded to that when they did a a press conference and how she was like i'm just trying to protect these people here those people in the background um so who knows what that would be about but i know it did ruffle some feathers this weekend
1: mm-hmm. i still have not watched the uh first season
0: it's pretty good you have i will say get into it since you know if you have well we all have the time right now if you right can. but
1: so i ain't doing anything else <laughs>
0: kind of sit in there and watch it because it's it's pretty good. Uh, and I used to read the comic when it first came out. The comic was kind of like really, uh, you know, challenging the lines when it when it came out of, uh, over 10 years ago. Um, but it is it's really good. I, I appreciate the first season. The second season, it looks like it's going to be pretty good. Just the third episode can trigger some things. So if y'all, you know, just be aware of that. But yeah, that scene was a lot, and I was like, okay, somebody needs to kill Stormfront today. That's where where I left. That's where I was left after the episode. Like, she needs to die today, right now. Right now. Mm -hmm. But it's very good, though. I I would recommend it.
1: Okay, yeah. I'm finishing up. Once I'm finishing up, Justice League Unlimited. Um, Something else. So much <laughs> fucking shit in all of these different queues. You look like at Hulu, Netflix, uh, HBO Max, Disney, Plus, DC. I'm like, ugh. Yeah, I don't know why we have Hulu. It's like, Hulu is like, I could get HBO what you already have. So I guess the only reason we have Hulu is because girl, I mean, living single and uh, the olden girls
0: yeah i was thinking about that the other day i was like i have hulu i have um video prime prime video
1: oh yeah that one too
0: um i have hbo automatically through our system we get um hbo max but only through like your laptop and phone it's not you can stream it on tv but you but it's not set up to where it's like automatic it's they still do Mm -hmm. it I have Cinemax and then I have like all the other parts that come with um, um, that damn box, Roku. Roku so it's,
1: yeah. like
0: a, it's like I have all these things, um, but I've been really thinking about do I need a Hulu? But Hulu has Buffy and has what's it's interesting because what HBO doesn't have, Prime will have. What Netflix doesn't have, Prime will have. It's always mm-hmm. like it's how you look at it like, oh, they don't have it here. Prime has it, you know. So it's, right. it's good for the things that you really want to go in and deep dive. They won't usually have it. You may have to pay two ninety nine for it, but you know,
1: it is what it is.
0: Right. But yeah, I'm gonna. I'm hoping you know, boys would be. I, I kind of wish I could binge it because I, we got the time now. Uh, but um, no, I kind of like you know looking for something on Friday night to watch. Um, and we're going to talk about Lovecraft Country soon. Because I feel like somebody was saying, we are not going to talk about Lovecraft Country? We're going to talk about it. Um, we'll probably talk about it as we get into our fifth, ep- the fifth episode. Because right now it is hitting the fourth tonight. Um, so we'll probably be talking about that so.
1: We might have it's a round. So
0: I think that might be it for the tea table we have anything else to add to the table today
1: um nah not really i think we're we're good to go
0: all right well y'all stay um tuned because we have our interview with um a special guest who has really put some stank on the aquaman series so get ready because it's going to be a fun conversation All right, everybody, I hope you're doing well on this great day. Um, this is Victor from Megasheen, and we have a special interview today. We're going to talk to um, someone that y'all may have already heard about, and you ha- if you haven't, you should, um, because he has done a lot of great things. He has done some great independent work, um, Elk Mountain, and then also the Black Experience, which I just kind of stumbled upon the other day. Uh, and then he has worked on Bitch Planet, and he will be working on Aquaman very soon. In fact, I think your does your first one come out this upcoming week?
2: Yeah, it comes out on uh, August 18th, so that would be the Tuesday. All
0: right, so y'all need to get out there and get that. Um, so today we're going to be talking with, we're talking with, we're talking to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can tell it's early for me. Uh, we're talking to Jordan Clark today. Jordan, how you doing?
2: I'm doing all right. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a weird space to be in because obviously the pandemic happening, obviously for black people, a lot is happening as it always is. Uh, uh, but it's also like a dream achieved. You know? uh, so trying to balance all these different feelings and emotions, uh, but I would say overall Today, specifically, I'm doing pretty good. Um, So, you know, just taking it a day at a time. (laughs) I think that's all we
0: can do. It's like it's, you try to do what you can to, you know, stay motivated or stay active or what have you. Um, Even if that means walking around Target for no reason. I I Mm -hmm. think people just trying to stay, try to stay moving.
2: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I think... uh, you know, hopefully, we're all learning a lot about ourselves. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> throughout you know all of this, because I definitely, I think, I think the number one thing I've learned for me, uh, you know, especially just in terms of like self care, is that I'm terrible at saying no to things, and like we'll just say yeah. Anybody asks me to do something, go somewhere, or, like help them with something, it's always yes. Um, and you know, we we kind of learn that you know, like, you don't want to be a selfish person, right? Like, you don't want to be somebody who, you know, thinks only of themselves. But sometimes, you know, specifically now, like, it is, it's is—it's very necessary to be selfish. It's very necessary to carve out time for yourself, even if it's just to walk around Target or do nothing in particular, just because, you know, you, you can be so consumed by not only the world, you know, and everything going on around you, but just, you know, trying to to make sure that everybody else is okay. Uh, but you know, if you're not okay, you know, you're you're not going to be able to do your best. So, um, you know, I've I've tried to definitely. I feel bad. You know, I used to. Well, I used to feel bad. I'm starting to get better at it. But you know, I anytime I would just not do anything for a day. You know, I'd be like, damn. You know, I should have been. I should have been writing today. I should have done chores around the house today. I should have you know done something productive. But uh, you know, these days recently, you know, I've just been like, I guess I'm just playing PlayStation all day because <laughs> I'm just doing this, uh, and, and starting to feel less bad about it just because, you know, you need to kind of take that time, you know, I'm a, I'm a natural introvert, and so, you know, my bandwidth for people is already kind of limited, you know, in that way, but, um, Definitely now, you know obviously wanted to check in on family and on friends and, and you know just other people to make sure everybody's doing all right, but also you know taking that time to just just be and not, not worry about stuff, so
0: yeah, yeah, and, and it's good to take time for yourself, I think the emotional labor sometimes of worrying about others and taking care of others and then trying to figure out what space you have for yourself can be a lot. So yeah. that makes a lot of sense. I always say to people, like, try to always make time for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, um, do something, even that means, you know, if you just say you're writing for 30 minutes or something like that, just leave, yeah. do something for yourself for that day.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, but speaking of writing, um, since you are, I like to say, an accomplished writer, Thank what you. what got you into writing? What was it that just kind of hit you to go, I'm gonna, I wanna write, I wanna be a writer?
2: Um. You know, it's interesting, like when I look back at, you know, my family, um, my dad has been writing for television basically my whole life. Uh, you know, he started out doing stuff at like National Geographic and then he moved over, he was working on America's Most Wanted for a long time and he's written for, you know, a number of other shows and he was writing plays in college and like doing all this other stuff uh and it was something that didn't necessarily like hit me you know initially in terms of like other people don't do that (laughs) you know like it's just kind of one of those things where you know you have somebody in your family who does who who does something that isn't necessarily like not common but Mm -hmm. you know it's just like something that uh it just it just trickles down into your life in a way that maybe you're not realizing you know at the time so you know, I had that. My mom, you know, has worked in, um, you know, nonprofit groups and 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 done a lot of, you know, science education. Uh, but you know, she's also done a lot of writing on her own. And also is a huge science fiction fan. Like she's the one who would sit me down and we would watch Star Trek together. Um, and we we would go to Star Wars and and you know watch all these different movies, Doctor Who, all the stuff. And so you know, I kind of got a lot of this stuff at a young age of just, you know, having somebody in my life who is a writer, but also, you know, having all these influences that my mom has given to me of all this different science fiction and fantasy and stuff. Um and then, you know, when I was thinking about, oh, you know, it's 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 the end of high school, you know, senior year, and you're kind of like, well damn, I gotta I gotta do something after this. <laughs> what am I what am I gonna do next? Um and at the time, you know, I was I was thinking music. Um, because I was, I'd been in band since, you know, middle school, and I was like, yeah, you know, maybe I'll just continue on that route, Um, and, and, and did a year of band, and did a year of music, uh, you know, and it was one of those things where I think, uh, there's probably a lot of people who can relate to this, where, you know, there's, there's something in your life specifically from when you were a kid, and you did it, and you didn't really think about it, and you, and you loved doing it, but then when it came time for that to be, like, a job, You know when it became like actual work then you're like well this isn't really fun anymore right Mm -hmm. like when it's like you don't have a choice but to sit and practice your instrument for four hours a day because you have this you know review coming up and and all this other stuff that you have to do and then it just feels like you know you you're you're stuck in this place where it's 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 not fun and you don't love it in the way that you used to love it and that was starting to happen to me with music and i was like well i don't want to feel like that you know like i don't want to feel like this is just uh, like a burden on me, um, so I switched my major to to English. Um, I switched universities. I went from Hampton University to Morgan State University in Baltimore, uh, and Morgan State did not have a journalism degree cool. <laughs> at the time that I was going there. It was it was it was one of those things where I was like, they didn't have it. And the second I graduated, they're like, you know, what we should get <laughs> a, good, a journalism department. It's like, oh, okay. Um, you know, but the reason I made that switch over to journalism and writing is just because you know I realized that I did have a love of stories that just kind of had been cultivated in me since I was young. You know, I, I grew up watching X Men: The Animated Series and the Batman: The Animated Series, and I would watch those shows, and then when the shows were over, I would go and take my action figures and like figure out what was going to happen next, you know, in those stories and You know same with with comics i didn't have a comic shop around me when i was growing up and you know most of the comics i would get would be from like flea markets or yard sales and so i didn't know that there was an issue before this hulk or an issue after this hulk but like i would read the issue and be like i wonder what hulk is going to do next and then you know same thing like take my hulk action figure and like make a story up and see see what happens and so um you know i got deep into, you know, journalism and, you know, doing behind the scenes stuff with journalism and writing, um, but also, you know, figured that I, I definitely had a love of of story. Um, and once I graduated, you know, I was doing some TV work, but also wanted to like tell my own stories uh, and had gotten right back into comics in college. I had a, a great professor, who was a huge nerd and like would 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 talk to me about Doctor Who and like give me these old sideboard comics and you know tell me to read this and and all that stuff, and so you know I got back into comics in a big way, and uh you know doing like film production and like TV production on your own with a limited budget is is a lot uh, <laughs> and I was like, I don't know if I can make this work." Uh, but I love comics and, you know, it'd be great to be able to, to tell, you know, the kind of stories I have in mind in comics. Um, and so I, I got into that. I want to say, you know, coronavirus time is, is fleeting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so time has lost meaning, but I think, uh, it's, it, it's been about eight, eight years now, you know, since I, uh, you know, started making comics eight or nine years. And, um, you know, I, I I think I I it was always kind of in me from a young age, just because of how I grew up and and those influences. But, you know, it wasn't until you know I was kind of getting out of college that I kind of thought maybe you know this is something I could do, at least as a hobby. But you know, maybe if I you know I'm able to figure things out, definitely turn it into a profession as well. Hmm. Wow,
0: I mean, it is interesting to to hear what were you know what played a role in. Getting you into writing because I think that was similar to to me. I think about when my time was a little bit different. It was GI Joe that was big at the time I was going mm-hmm. So making up those stories um, with those characters and what have you. And I remember like yeah, I was doing that too. And also uh, when you mentioned like there was no comic store, we really didn't have one either. <laughs> um, and so it was weird because I think when I I think when I read X Men, I read a comic that was just ten years oh and, and I was like trying to catch up like wait Phoenix was alive
2: <laughs>
0: but who is this person you know like who's Madeline Pryor? so it's like all this other stuff so I get that that's totally neat that
2: Yeah. yeah that's totally no. neat. I remember specifically two issues that I got from uh, a yard sale I got an X-Men Babies comic that I was like well, I know Mojo from the show and like, this seems like it could be fun. And I, I, I understood what was happening, but I was just like, but are the X-Men actually babies now? Or like, is this just like a <laughs> like a weird one-off thing? And then yeah. uh, I remember I got a, ooh, I think it was like an X-Factor. It was like one of those X-Factor, like a uh, uh, hologram foil cover comics. And I was like, well, this, I don't know what's oh, yeah, going yeah. on here, but like, I'm into this yeah. uh, and having that same experience where I was just like, I don't know any of these X-Men. Like these are <laughs> the characters of the show. Uh, and I, and I, they're not in any of the video games and I'm just kind of like trying to figure out what's happening. Uh, but then of course, like you can't get the next issue. So mm-hmm. you just gotta, you know, take it as it is and kind of make it up on your own.
0: That's true. Very true. Um, so what was the comic that really kind of, that kind of changed your life? That kind of got you into like, okay, yes, I'm going to write comics. What was that comic that just basically yeah snapped you into the world?
2: Um, so growing up, again, no comic shops around me, so I got, you know I had a limited exposure to comics. Like my parents would get me those. Um, those like thick black and white like x-men collections and like you know stuff like that where i could read like a big chunk of comics but you know i wasn't getting any single issues and i wasn't really getting any trades and then middle school came around and like i kind of fell out of comics and was like that until i got to college and so you know i missed like so many things you know mm-hmm. um so when, this professor, Professor Burroughs at Morgan State was kind of like showing me the stuff and telling me about the stuff, you know, he was giving me these, these recommendations of like what I should be reading and, you know, I kept like, oh yeah, I should get that, I should get that, Uh, but didn't really get into it until, (laughs) until uh, when um, The Dark Knight came out, I skipped my morning class at college to go see the movie because it was playing at a, like a weird, like i I swear I saw this movie at like 10:30 in the morning. Yeah. And like I don't know if that's true because like why would it be playing that early but I feel like it was it was super early because it was whenever my class was, my morning class, so I skipped that class to go see this movie. I go in there, um it's packed at 10:30 in the morning. I sit down next to this dude in a in a suit who I think told somebody he was going to work and did the same thing that I did (laughs) just to skip that to come and see this movie. Uh, And like after the Joker like robbery scene in the beginning, we both look at each other and are like we made the right choice. Like wherever we're supposed to be, like we should be here watching this movie. Uh, And so (laughs) after that, I was like, well, where did all that come from? Like where did, you know, was this just like, did Christopher Nolan just make all this up? Or like, was there source material to like refer to? And so, um, you know, I had already, said I was going to get Watchmen uh, just because that was something that my professor was like, you should probably read Watchmen if you want to, you know, figure all this stuff out. And then, uh, you know, Batman year one, but then Batman the long Halloween as well. And I said like Batman the long Halloween, I think is the one, because up until that point, obviously Batman in the animated series is like a touchstone and like has a lot of great stories and episodes. Uh, but in terms of comics, like I had never really read a Batman comic, and I never really like, had that experience of seeing batman as like a detective like doing like a noir detective story and so after reading that i was just like oh you can do this in comics like you can do you know like kind of these like deeper uh you know more um not even just noir stories and not even to call them like adult stories but stories that you know have have deeper meaning character wise uh than just that and so like i read that and then like right after that i read year one and then right after that I would Watchmen uh and so I think those three comics just kind of having read them all at once like really got me hooked into it um I would say the comic though that like I continuously come back to and that has like I don't even know if it shaped the way that I write but it definitely shaped the way that I saw comics was uh Day Tripper by uh Fabio Moon and Gabriel Bá. Uh, which was, uh, you know, this comic that's basically about this man's life told, you know, over a number of years, but at the end of each of the chapters, like, he dies, right, and then the next chapter picks up as if that didn't happen, like, what, what, what would have happened if he had lived, you know, another 10 years, you know, five years, um, and just, like, the 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 breadth of that story, like, the the way that they're able to, like, craft the story, from beginning to end about just this one person in their life and all the directions that your life can go. Um, and this huge family drama and all this other stuff. I was like, Oh, like you can do that in comics. Like you can kind of, you don't have, it doesn't have to be superhero based. It doesn't have to be, you know, a lot of, you know, fighting and action sequences and science fiction and all this other stuff. Like you can just tell a very human story about, you know, this person and their family and their relationships and how, we mess stuff up and how we fix things and you know like over over you know however many pages and you know it's a graphic novel now but like it really hit me and really stuck with me and I was like if you can do that you know like if you if you if all these options are available to you as a storyteller in comics like I want to do this you know I mean like I I don't know if I can make something as great as Day Tripper you know like it's one of those books that I look at and I say you know, like if I can just get like halfway there, <laughs> you know, I would be happy. But um, that that was the first one that I looked at, and like the, those others that I mentioned, like I looked at them and I said, "Wow, that's amazing." Day Tripper was the first one that I looked at and said, "How did you do that?" <laughs> like, well, I had to go back and like just like I was breaking it, like counting panels and like trying to like chart the evolution of characters. So I was like, "How did you make me feel all these things?" over the course of this book because i want to do that like i want to write a story like that mm-hmm. so we all know the
0: path is different for many writers from going from independent to mainstream
2: mm-hmm.
0: how was your like what was your path like how did you get to a place where you were doing bitch planet and when you were doing um I think it was Crimes of Passion when you find yourself in DC. Yeah, yeah. How did you find? How did you get into that world? Because I know many of our listeners are probably like, "How did you get into?" World?
2: <laughs> yeah, I think you know, comics is is such a weird place because so many other industries have a path mm-hmm. that maybe isn't like the only path, but it's a it's a outlined path that you know, if I do these things, there's a chance. You know, like if I wanted to be an actor in Hollywood, like I would be in theater, you know, when I was in school and I would take acting lessons and I would go to auditions and I would do community theater and, you know, try to act in smaller movies, get an agent, you know, like go to go to auditions for, you know, bigger roles or bit parts. And you can kind of see the trajectory of people's careers as they play out where you can say, oh, that's, that's how I can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Comics is, is different because it is just kind of like, it is, it is a mystery, you know, <laughs> a lot of instances where people are looking at it from the outside and saying, okay, well, you know, like, Brian Michael Bendis did it like this, but Rick Arrender did it like that, and then Jeff Johns did it like this, and like, I don't really know how all this adds up, um, so for me, you know, it, it it started with me just making stuff, like, I I really took a lot of time to try and read as much as possible, and learn as much as possible, and Um, you know, there came a time where it was just like, you, you should probably just do it. Like, you should probably just start making stuff. And, um, you know, a lot of my early stuff was like short stories and anthologies. Uh, You know, I did a, I did a webcomic on Tumblr for a while that I think might still exist (laughs) in some shape. Um, And uh, I did, um, you know, like some, some shorter, shorter just because like, at a certain point, I was like, oh, this isn't really going anywhere, but like shorter series that I was trying to build up. Um, And, you know, I think a lot of that experience kind of helped just in terms of one, like seeing what works and doesn't work. You know, a lot of the times as a creative person, uh, you know, it's not gonna be a straight path. Like you're not just gonna figure it all out initially and and then that's gonna be it, you know, for the rest of your time creating, like you're gonna fail you're going to do things that, like, man, like, that didn't work, and I know why that didn't work, so next time, you know, I know either not to do that, or I know maybe I should, I should lean into that more, Um, and just even, you know, creative process about how you go about, you know, putting together stories, so I think a lot of those early things that I did, even though they probably weren't great, and even though, you know, there, there was a lot of chaos involved in terms of, like, you know, I'm working with people who live, you know, in, in other countries and like I'm trying to like coordinate stuff and hold people to deadlines, even though, you know, I'm not, you know, either either we're just doing this out of fun yeah. or we're we're just doing this, you know, and I'm paying you like not really a lot of money, you know, and you're you're also working on like two or three other books and you have a day job and I have a day job and we're all, you know, just trying to like hold hold this thing together. So um You know, from there, I had met Kelly Sue DeConnick years ago, like right before I started making comics, because she Mm -hmm. came here to Maryland uh, to the store called Third Eye Comics, right when Pretty Deadly was coming out. Mm -hmm. And her and Emma Rios were there, and they were doing like a meet and greet. But then Kelly Sue was doing like a writer's workshop after that. Mm -hmm. And I was like, great, you know, comic book creator in the flesh, she's going to tell me the secret. And then, you know, from there, you know, I'll be able to do all this stuff and I'll be on my way. Uh, but you know, basically all the things that she was telling us at the were this workshop, it wasn't even that I knew them already, mm-hmm. but it was like, Oh, there's not a secret. Like, you know, <laughs> like, it's just yeah. like, here's what you should probably try to do. But then from there, it's you doing the work and figuring it out and kind of creating your own path. So, um, you know I, I had that you know opportunity to kind of interact with her briefly there and you know from that you know i kind of got that that final kick to start you know creating stuff so then once i had a good amount of work uh you know i saw that she was going to be at heroes con in north carolina um and i had only done shows you know in the baltimore area in the maryland area but i was like maybe I should go, like, I wanted to, like, really, I want to just go and say thank you, right, because, like, you know, you kind of gave me that push, and, like, I want to show you what I'm working on, uh, but also, like, you know, Heroes Con is this great show where, like, all these different, you know, comics professionals are there mixing with, you know, a lot of people who maybe, it's not even that they're trying to get into the industry, but it's, like, you know, people who are doing independent work and, you know, are, are kind of on different career trajectories and there's no like media stuff, like there's no TV or movies or video games. It's just, it's just a comic show. So I was like, this is a great chance to go and like, you know, say hi to Kelly Sue and say thank you, but also like, you know, meet all these other people and meet people who are doing the same things that I'm doing. Um, and so, you know, I went there and I showed her you know, the stuff that I've been working on. And she was like, oh, this is great. Uh, you know, she was kind of passing around the table she was at uh, and, you know, the other person at the table with her was at the time the managing editor of all the milk fed stuff. So like Sex Criminals and Bitch Planet and all of that stuff. And she was like, oh, this is great. Like, do you have a table? Can I come and like talk to you and like buy some stuff? I was like, sure, yeah, you know, come over, Like, <laughs> you know, we'll chat, all that stuff. And so, you know, she came over and we talked and, you know, I gave her my card and, you know, some comics, and then I ran into Kelly Sue a few more times. Um, and, you know, I left the show feeling like, oh, this is great, you know, I got to meet Kelly Sue and like talk to these people. I got to meet, you know, some people, you know, who are kind of in my peer group and, you know, make those connections. Uh, but I didn't really leave thinking like, I got work. Like, it was just like, yeah, like that was fun. Uh, but then a few weeks later, you know, uh, Lauren Sankovic, who was the editor on Bitch Planet for a long time, you know, just emails me and she's like, hey, we're doing like this anthology, like, would you want to do that? And I was like, yes, would <laughs> <laughs> love to do that. Uh, and, you know, that was kind of like, you know, the end to that. So, you know, I think a lot of the times people talk about, you know, luck being just like opportunity and meeting the hard work, you know, like if I didn't have the work to show Kelly Sue, yeah it's just me saying hi can you sign you know this bitch planet for me like you know and if and if the work wasn't good you know she would have been like because she's not she's one of those people that i really appreciate just because she's not going to bullshit you like she's not going to be mean to you Mm -hmm. but she's also not going to be like this is the most amazing thing i've ever read you know just to say it to you so you feel good she'll be like this is cool like let me show you you know the things you could do to improve Mm -hmm. um or you know some things you want to think about for next time uh so you know the fact that you know I had work that she saw potential in and 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 thought, you know, because it's it's her name, right? Like it's it's Kelly Sudaconic, it's it's Kelly Sudaconic, Val DeLandreau, Bitch Planet, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't want to put something with your name on it out there that's mediocre, right? Like you want all of it to be good. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the fact that they saw that and the work that I was doing and said, Yeah, this like this works. Like this is somebody who could who could work for this. Um, you know, I think that's important. So if you're out there and you're just trying to get started, like, um, ha- you have to create, you have to make stuff that people can see and people can give you feedback and, and, and criticism on, uh, you know, because if you're just telling somebody like, yeah, you know, I love your work and I do comics too. And they're like, Oh, what do you have? And you're like, I got some ideas about you know what I want to do you know like it's it's, you're never really going to get to that next place so even if what you're doing isn't the greatest like I look back on that work and it's not even that I hate it but it's like this is clearly the work of somebody who's trying to find a voice Mm -hmm. and find you know where they're going to be as a creator and everybody goes through that you know if you look at Brian Michael Bendis' first couple of comics I'm sure it's like not anywhere close to you know ultimate spider-man and if you look at you know jeff john's first you know couple of you know tries not and again not their marvel stuff not their dc stuff not their image stuff like literally the first comics they were doing you know that nobody's seen that had a very limited press run those growing pains i think is what get you to that place so you know having that in hand being able to show kelly sue i think you know, made a good impression, right? Because comics are also just a huge labor of love, right? Like if people see you doing it on your own, you know, whether it's successful Kickstarters, whether it's, uh, you know, stuff that you're funding on yourself, whether it's just like, you know, zines and stuff like that, people who make comics know how hard it is to make comics. And seeing that you're doing it without a publisher, without financial backing, without all this other stuff shows that you really want to do it. Because it's hard to do, right? I mean, you know, having made a comic, like, from start to finish, it's not just, I have an idea, somebody draws it, it's over, you know what I mean? There's a lot of stuff that goes into it. So, having seen somebody who not only had the ambition to make something, but did make something, and then put their own money into it, and then made the choice to come down to the show to show people it, Mm -hmm. lets people know that you're serious about what you're doing, right? So, um With all that in hand, you know, like they were like, you know, yeah, we want you to help like pitch for this pitch planet thing. So I did that, which is another great experience because it was the first published work that I had and really like Was a thing that taught me what it would look like, you know, when I got to that level. Right. Like this is what it's going to be for you every day, day in and day out. Like if you're doing comics, like get ready for, you know, calls and notes and, you know, team meetings and production meetings and you know all this other stuff that you have to do on a daily basis on top of already working your your day job like you know you're gonna have to do all this other stuff um but it was great because you know i got all that feedback and i was going in there expecting like okay you know first script i turn in it's just going to be all red ink they're going to be like no 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 you don't know how to make comments this isn't how you do it let's <laughs> like, let's teach you how to you know do all this stuff uh but the feedback was like this is great and i was like oh Okay, like not even that I wasn't expecting positivity, but it was just like, I've never done this before, so like clearly like there's got to be something that I don't know. Um, But I think what you'll find, whether you're making comics on your own or you're making comics for DC or Marvel or whoever, is that, you know, if you have, if you know what you want to do as far as a story and as far as characters um, and you are able to, you know, craft a story that, that can resonate with people, right? Like there's something at the core of that story that's gonna call out to people, whether it's a story about love, whether it's a story about loss, whether it's a story about family um, or whatever it is, there's all these universal themes that, that reach out and speak to people. And so if you can key on on that, like you you that, that can apply to anything. Like it can apply to science fiction, it can apply to Batman, it could apply to, you know, just your own little zine comics. So, you know, the skills that you learn doing your own independent comics definitely carry over to those comics that you're doing for these bigger publishers. Um, so, you know, doing that Bitch Planet stuff was great because it, it just, it was like boot camp, like comic boot camp where I was just like, all right, like now I got it. So then when I went back to do my own stuff, when I went back to do Black Experience and Elk Mountain and all these other stories, like I had, you know, that, that firsthand experience as to what a quote unquote professional public like, published comic book looks like. Um, and so I could take all that and, and apply it to what I was doing. Um, but I also, I also kept going, right? Like, I feel like a lot of people might say, oh, like, you got you got a story, an image in Bitch Planet, like, you made it. And it's like, well, like, I'm, I was one of many people in that anthology, but also, like, people get published all the time. And if your goal is to get published, and your goal is to get published specifically by, you know, a Marvel or a DC, I think you're kind of limiting yourself in the sense that, you know, when you look at the the span of those companies, a lot of people have worked there, right? And people will continue to work there. And it's not that it's a meat grinder that's going to like, you know, spit you out when they're done with you, but it's like, that's, that's a place that, you know, they have characters and IP and all these stories and, you're not the only one that wants to work there and to work there doesn't mean that you are one better than anybody else, but B that you like, you got it right. Like you've got, you've got credit on hand and you can spend it unlimited and that anywhere else you go, people are going to be like, Oh, you worked at DC. Well, like, here's a publishing deal. And like, here's all this other stuff, like everybody who got there, they still have to work and they still have to produce and they still have to, you know, make those opportunities happen. So, you know, even though I, I got that opportunity, it was like, well, you know, it's not it's not like everybody's knocking down the door now to get a chance to like, you know, give me a million dollars to do whatever. It's like, and now it's not that I'm in the same place that I was before, but now, now I have more experience you know i have have a credit to my name i have opportunity but i still have to produce right um and you know really you know if we're if we're gonna get real about it black people queer people you know all these different minorities like we're in a position where the opportunities for us are not as as bountiful as others right so unfortunately a lot of times it feels like we're competing with each other for limited opportunities where it's sure. like, you know, there's there's only gonna be a handful of us. And so, you know, we gotta get in the kumite and fight to the death, you know, to see who's gonna make it out and get and get these opportunities. And um, you know, what I started to do, you know, once I once I had that image thing was looking around and saying, well, you know, where are all the are the black people and the queer people and, you know, these other people yeah. who are making comics because I know that we're out here. And I know that we're looking for opportunities. And so even though I'm not image comics, I can still pay you money to do this comic with me. So like, I'd rather start, you know, thinking about all these other people around me who I know are talented, who I've seen their work, I've seen their writing, I've seen their, you know, their, uh, their drawings, their illustrations, and I know that they can do this. So like, we should just do it together, you know? Um, And so, that's a lot of what I did after Bitch Planet, and then, you know, it came back around, uh, you know, because I kept in contact with Kelly Sue, and, you know, I had more work to show, and so, you know, she had recommended me to a few people at DC, because she was at DC now, you know, doing Aquaman and other stuff, and so they were able to look at what I did, and say, oh, yeah, like, he's got, he's got it, he's got, he knows what he's doing, Um, you know, like, let's, give them some opportunities to pitch some stuff, you know, I got to pitch for the Crimes of Passion, uh, and do the Batwoman story. So I got in there. They liked that. I pitched them some more things. They were like, Hey, you know, we got this opportunity to do this Aqualad story coming up. Uh, you know, do you have ideas for that? I pitched them those. They were like, this is great. This might be more than one issue. Do you want to do two issues of Aquaman? I was like, of course. Uh, and so, you know, I I think really what it comes down to is, you know, it's, it's, it's always going to be a lot of work. You know, I don't think any of these opportunities open up just because you want them really badly. Like there's a lot of work that gets done that nobody's going to see that, um, you know, is, is gonna, is, there's going to be times you're just like, why am I doing this? I'm like, is it really worth it for me to keep doing this? And like, maybe I should just, you know, focus on, cause I'm going to keep it real. I spent a lot of money making comics. I spent a lot of money making comics. I spent a lot of money going to conventions. I spent a lot of money printing comics. I spent a lot of money printing stuff to sell the comics and like hosting a website and doing all this other stuff. And so, you know, I I made a commitment that like, this is what I want to do. And so, you know, there's going to be sacrifices. I remember times where my bank account was negative. (laughs) and it was negative for and i knew that check wasn't coming until the end of the week so you know i had to make it work until then um but i but i don't regret any of it because it's it's what got me where i am now so um you know for anybody out there who's who's working on stuff and, and wanting to create i think the two best things that you can do are one create obviously you know and whether whether it's something that you're doing as a web comic and you're getting three views a week, you know, and you're just like, I guess nobody's reading this, but like, but you're doing it, right? Like you, you think about, I remember Ta-Nehisi Coates talking about his blog that he did for a long time. And really like his dad and like a few other people were the only people who are reading it. And he did it, but he did it every week because he knew he needed to, to hone those skills and do the writing so that, you know, when he got those opportunities to do other stuff, not only could he show people that he could do the work, but that he would he would be ready when the opportunity came. And it wasn't like, oh man, I haven't written anything in three months. It was like, oh no, I wrote something yesterday. You know what I mean? Like I'm ready. So like, you know, give me that work and let's go. Um, but also look around in your community, who's making comics, who's doing work, you know, who can you reach out to to help lift them up and vice versa? Because, you know, a lot of the people that I see around me now are the same people that I was talking to before I had done anything, you know, and, and they're the same people that, uh, you know I had made those connections with before there was you know like it wasn't even like there was opportunity there you know but it was just like oh like I, I see you I like what you're doing and I want to I just want to say what's up you know and like mm-hmm. let's talk and um, you know we became friends and then we became collaborators later on or we became you know people who were kind of moving in the same you know sphere because we both had kind of looked out for each other and like had kind of done work on our own but also like supporting each other's work and i think you you really want to build that strong community um just because you know if you're if you're looking for a, a pro comics person to say mm-hmm. hey you're great and now i'm gonna show you to this editor and they're gonna let you write spider-man mm-hmm. you know like that's not it's it's there's so much that goes into it mm-hmm. um and like It can't hurt to know people, obviously, right. Like it definitely helps to know people working at places who have connections, who can make connections, who can recommend you for stuff. But at the same time, you know, if you're, if your whole thing is like, I'm going to be friends or be nice to this person because I know that they can get me work. And then, you know, two months later, that person is fired and they don't, and there's nothing, (laughs) I mean, it's like, well, you you put all that work into this relationship on the hopes that this person was going to do a favor for you, which is already a shitty way to build a relationship, but, like, and now, and now you don't have anything, but if you put all that work into building a relationship with somebody, and maybe they do get fired, but you still have a friend, and you still have a collaborator, and you still have somebody who uh, you know, can offer you advice and, and help you and you can help them. But then, I mean, it's just also, it's just nice to know people who are also, you know, creating and doing things, right? Like then it doesn't matter. Cause then, you know, if that person swings back up again, they're like, you know, who was still around and hanging out with me when I got fired? This person, you know what I mean? And now, and now I can hire this person. So that's what I'm going to do for, you know, vice versa, where it's just like, man, you know, you've been such a good friend and it's not even like I'm giving you a handout, but it's just like, I like, I know you are good and can do this. And so like, I'm looking for a collaborator, like i like to work with you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think those are the two main things, like for me in my journey, going from doing, you know, my own comics to getting to work in, in places like DC and Image is, you know, along the way, having those people around you that are gonna be supportive no matter what, but they're gonna keep it real with you. Like they're gonna tell you if it's not working, if it's not good, if maybe you should kind of think about things. But they're definitely going to have your back. Um, But also, you know, being able to, uh, you know, have that because it's it's a lot better to fail at your webcomic that five people are reading than it is to fail writing Batman in front of all these people (laughs) where that's like that's your first impression for people. And they're like, oh, I don't like that. You know, and it's just like, oh, man, like, you know, all that build up to get here to like fall on your face where, you know, when you when you have those failures early on in your career, when nobody's around and nobody's looking, you know, you can kind of refer to those later on when you do have those bigger opportunities. You could say, I'm grateful that I I screwed it up, you know, three years ago, you know, and that and that comic that I printed 200 copies of then you know I'm, I'm screwing it up now you know on this this comic that's distributed in every comic store in the country you know mm-hmm. yeah
0: um and a lot of things you said you kind of asked a lot of my questions
1: oh <laughs> <already>. sorry <laughs> no no, no. That's, that's
0: good because um it was interesting because yeah you do spend a lot of your own money i remember when i first did strange lore for the first time the money i was spending it took like about three years to get it all together but it was just the money I was like, wow! and but I was happy, I was like, I have a job that can I can afford it I can do it I can do it right um, and the Kickstarter was I'm still even though it's been over with for over a year now I'm still stunned by how how much it how it worked I'm like it really worked yeah. you know right. um, and I remember how much work it is and now doing the second one um, and as well as looking at who may be drawing it it's like okay I'm you know you you, you invest so much, you put so mm-hmm. much, you're just like, oh my God, it's gonna be, you know, $200 <laughs> a page, but you have to think about like, but you want that quality, you know, the people that you're working with do bring that audience and what have you. So it's so,
2: yeah.
0: it's a lot of work, um, but yeah, you have to be committed to it. And I agree, yeah. with, that. Yeah. I agree with that wholeheartedly. Um, let me see. All right, so you, mention, you know, sexuality and race, and that's a world that we both, we live in, regardless of whatever we were trying to do. Do you feel that comics have, you know, they have opened that door to where we can openly discuss our queerness, our sexuality, Mm -hmm. and our race in a way that is, that really speaks to the truth of what's going on? Do you feel like comics is opening that door, or it still needs... It still needs to be broke down or like beaten down
2: i mean I, I think it's true in comics as it's true in every factor of life <laughs> that we do, we have so far to go in, in yeah. a lot of ways and and we've made inroads and we've we've done stuff that has you know helped in both of those situations, but I still look around you know say at comics in particular, and I say, okay, well, how many black people are writing?" comics in general not at marvel and dc but just across the spectrum of all these different publishers and how many uh and then and then you get into the like just the numbers of it okay how many black people but then how many black women and then how many you know black queer people and black trans people and you know all the way down the line and like how many of us and all our multitudes are being represented you know in in comics in general and it's it's not a lot you know it's not as much as as you know, other, uh, groups and it's definitely not as much as the total output of comics in general, right? Like, you know, people, again, always come to Marvel and DC and, you know, they're putting out, you know, around, you know, anywhere from 35 to 50 books a month. Um, but there's like tons of other publishers out there that are also making comics. So, um, when you, when you kind of look at the, the, the big picture of it, um, I think there's still, really a lot of work to be done uh, in both respects. But a few things I think have helped specifically in, in, in the recent times. And that's one, the internet, you know what I mean? Like that has been kind of this equalizer in a lot of ways, specifically when it comes to distribution of media. And so, you know, even if you're not writing for you know one of these bigger publishers if you have you know the internet and you have a website or you have a twitter or you have instagram or you have whatever you still have the means of getting your stories out to people um and i think that's been big you know with with just web comics in general like seeing all these different ways that people have been able to tell their stories i think um you know representation has definitely advanced uh over time i was talking with somebody earlier today just about like you know I, I me and my sister have been watching like just a lot of bad movies in general like just to kind of pass the time and you know all the 90s movies that we have watched you forget about it or at least I forgot about it and this is probably my privilege in that way where they're really homophobic like you go back and you see a lot of stuff and you're just like wait what like it's like it looks wild now like it's only been you know uh, you know, thirty years, uh, which is kind of a short time span in terms of like a media life, but like, man, like, there's just so many just wild homophobic jokes that don't serve any purpose other than being homophobic, I guess. <laughs> uh, and and but it's not like raunchy comedies; it's like kids' movies and like uh, just obscure like random action films. And, like, there's always just one, and you're just like, why was this happening? um so coming to you know 2020 that's definitely died down tremendously which is great but you know there's there's always that challenge of um okay what stories are being told and who's telling those stories right and so it's great it's great to see more representation on the page and on the screen when it comes to black people when it comes to lgbtq people but um you know there's still so much work to do behind the scenes where not only are you know we writing these stories or are we drawing these stories, but we're also publishing these stories we're also producing these stories we're also you know having having a a, a firmer control over these stories because I think a lot of the times um, you know when you think about so when you think about race right um, one of the one of the conversations I also had recently was just about again you look back at the nineties and you know, we had UPN, like UPN was our network and, you know, all the shows are on UPN. But then when you look to other places, like there was like one, maybe they had a black show, you know, Mm -hmm. usually a comedy. Um, And so it was kind of like, well, if you don't like that one thing, that's it. Like that's all you're going to get. Like you're just going to get that one and you can either like it or you, you cannot like it. And um, you know, just that level of restriction, right. Where people would be like, you don't like Martin. You know, like, what's wrong with you? You don't like, uh, uh, you know, Sister, Sister, or you don't like, you know, Parenthood or whatever. And, um, you know, whether you liked it or not, it was was what you had. You know, that was it. And even fast forwarding you into the early to mid 2000s, it's like, well, if you don't like Tyler Perry movies, that's what you're going to get. So, you know, you can you can either go see the Tyler Perry movie of the year or you just won't see a black movie this year. Um, um and now we're living in a space where there's more choice, where there's more black films, TV shows, comic books. Things are starting to open up. And so now we can look at something and say, you know what? That's all right. that's all right. You know what I mean? It's I don't I don't personally like it, but uh saying oh no you know i'm not i'm not really into that isn't such a, a demonizing and and um just kind of like it, the the danger in that in the sense of well you know if you don't if you don't like it they might not make another one you know if we don't support this like we might not see more anything uh you know has kind of slid off so that you know there's we don't want to get too comfortable because obviously like things could go back another way but the fact that we are seeing more black stories and more diversity of black stories whether it's insecure whether it's pose whether it's get out um you know Lovecraft crunchy is starting tonight um you know like we're seeing like just this variety of black stories watchmen um you know all these different things where uh you know, we're in different situations, we're in the future, we're in the past, we're in the present, you know, we're dealing with a lot of different situations. There's more LGBTQ representation by LGBTQ people. Um, and so, you know, same thing, you know, applies to that, where there was, there wasn't a lot of LGBTQ people specifically of color, specifically black people, you know, working in the spaces. And now that things have opened up and they've kind of seized these opportunities, um, you know we're seeing more of these stories we're seeing moonlights and we're seeing um again pose and we're seeing you know even even that representation working its way into just other shows and media um again something like watchmen where you know that the lgbtq narrative wasn't something that was like super present in the text uh but they definitely brought that out for the show um and so on the one hand, like, yes, like I, I'm, I'm loving the moment that we're in and I'm seeing a lot of stuff and I'm very happy and very supportive of it. On the other hand, I don't feel like we've come as far as we need to and um, that we definitely have to start. We have to keep pushing because, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of ground that we still need to cover. Um, and it's a good start. <laughs> you know and i'm and i'm happy to be here and see it and be a part of it but i also feel like you know the the more that we can get there you know there's never gonna be like a one-to-one like for every white show there's going to be a black show and a latinx show and a you know and an asian show and you know on down the line but you know as 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 many of us of as many different backgrounds can get into situations where we can because that's really the next step is like can we can we get into these positions where we can green light things for not like yes for us you know for for other people you know coming up but you know we we still we still don't have a necessary saying where the money is spent right and i think that's kind of the next step where we can be in positions of power and say you know, I, I, I see this person or I see, you know, this, this thing they've created and we, we need to amplify that. We should be a part of that. Um, so, you know, there's, there's, there's definitely always a lot of territory to cover, but, uh, again, like I, I love what I'm seeing out there. I love all the different, you know, comic creators that I'm seeing. Um, you know, whether that be Vida Ayala and Danny Lore, or whether that's, uh, you know, David Walker and Chuck Brown and Sanford Green or whether that's Ronna Wimbley or Ben Passmore, Ezra Clayton Daniels, all the way down the line, all these different people doing all these amazing things, um, you know, that's necessary. But, like, I also look around and I see all these other people who aren't getting opportunities and I'm just like, how? <laughs> you know, like, you're all so talented. Like, I want to read your stories. I want to see what you all are doing. Um, and you know, it, 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 it's, it's hopefully coming. I'm, I'm very hopeful about, you know, black comics and queer comics moving into the future. But, um, you know, I, I just don't want to be complacent about it where it's just kind of like, Oh, we're all here, you know, and, and it's good right now, but you know, four or five years from now, like who's to say what could happen. So.
0: That's true. And I know what I try to do is, for example, I try to when I do my panels at Comic-Con or WonderCon, I always try to make sure that I find who are the black and queer people out there to be on these panels. But also I want, to, I want them to always tell their stories because I I feel like that as long as we're telling our stories, we are helping others to like get out there and still do the things they want to do. Um, because it's not that it, you're right, it's not that many of us even in the web world or even in the independent world it's still a short amount of people and it's money as we talked about earlier it's money involved there's so many different things that can scare you into not wanting to do it um but i i think that we have to one of the things i i think we all have to do is always encourage people to keep going and and stay in it and that's one of the things i appreciated about you because i remember um, when you did a kickstarter for i think elk mountain the first time it didn't work, and I remember I was like disappointed. I was like, "Okay," but I hope he doesn't. I remember you was like, "I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna keep going." And then you came back again, and it worked. Yeah, and that's what was really inspiring about your story was seeing like y- you had a good story to come from what you were doing, and then you know then people realized like, "Yes, let's make this happen." And I and I and I love that because it was like any like i've seen a lot of people that will give up they would never come back and try again and that was something mm-hmm. that i thought that was really impressive when i saw your work
2: yeah i mean it's it's you're always gonna have that and even you know when you are in successful spaces i mean i think a lot about even somebody like orson welles who people consider one of the greatest filmmakers of all time yeah. he was always hustling to get a movie made <laughs> like he was always hustling even after, I mean, he made Citizen Kane, which people was like, "This is the greatest movie that's ever been made." And then five years later, he's begging, <laughs> you know, to get get a movie made, and he's a successful white man. So, like, think about you know all these other people who are not even close to those opportunities and, and being in those spaces. So, um, you know, it's 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 you're going to have failure. You're going to have these moments where things don't work out the way that you thought they were, and um, you know, it really is about. How you bounce back from that? How you regroup from that? And then thinking about where your next steps are going to be. So um, you know, I always I always think about you know, you never fail until you stop. Mm. You know, like you you never fail until you just decide that you're going to quit. Because uh, if you if you do something and it doesn't work the first time, and you come back the second time. Obviously, don't keep doing the same thing over and over again. Like learn from what happened. You know, the previous times and see how you can make things change. Sometimes you have to make um, you know, some sacrifices along the way. Like the first time I tried to do up Mountain, I tried to get all the money and mm-hmm. that didn't work. So then I was like, well, what if I got most of the money, <laughs> you know, and then I can do a part of it and then I can get the rest of the money and do another part. Um, so, you know, you're going to, you're going to have to make compromises along the way. Uh, but as long as you're able to not only stay focused on what you're trying to do, but also, um, Recognize that you know it's not always going to be a straight line, and sometimes you're going to have to deviate. Um, you know, you you can you can make it happen, and I I think having a realistic expectation of what your dreams are going to be, and realistic not meaning that you know you shouldn't aim high or or you know definitely go for the the ultimate you know whatever it is that you want to do, but realistic in the sense that you know, it's, it's not maybe going to take a year or two years or three years or four years. It might take, you know, for me to get to DC, it took eight years, nine years, you know what I mean? Like it was, it was a, there was a lot in between and, um, you know, it's, it can be hard to have that resiliency and that's why it's important to have community around you and people around you that again, you know, are going to, are going to keep it real with you, but also going to, you know, lift you up and support you when you need that. Um, so You know, any again, anybody who's out there looking to create and do things like obviously there's gonna be setbacks along the way, but you know, if you if you're able to keep, you know, a goal in mind to keep pushing towards it and you keep good people around you, like you can you can get there. It may not be on the timeline that you want or you may have set for yourself, but it doesn't mean that you're not able to attain those goals. It just means that you gotta keep, you know, figuring out the next step.
0: Yeah. So Aquaman, let's talk about Aquaman because I saw that announcement and I was like, okay, he is not playing. (laughs) Um, And you're, I think you're going to be writing on Aqualad, which is. Yeah. Um, So when you got that, that, that note that you're going to be doing that and you'll be working with Aqualad, I think you pitched for Aqualad to write. Mm -hmm. What? What do you have in store for us? I, I, it's hard to ask the question because I would ask so many things, but I know you can only say so much. Yeah. But you know what do you have in store for us, especially with aqualad because you're writing a character that is big to many people. Um, and so, what do you have in store for the character?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting because you know there's there's two groups of people. There are people that know Aqualad from Young Justice as Calder um, and are coming at it from, you know, the animated series. And there's people that know Aqualad as Jackson Hyde coming at it from the comics. Um, And so, you know, I I definitely came into it um, thinking about, one, how can I take Jackson from where he is, you know, within the comics and kind of, build a strong foundation for him, you know, moving forward. You know, I get these two issues to kind of play around and tell a story about him. So, you know, what, what, what story can I tell that when this is over, not only are there, you know, seeds planted for future adventures uh, you know, whether that's me or other people coming in to pick up Jackson and and continue, you know, to write about him or, um, or, and rather like, how can I tell a story in just two issues that if you've never read Jackson before, if you've never seen anything about him before, like, how can I, how can I make you care about him? Um, And how can I give you, you know, a semblance of, of like resolving his story within this? Because obviously um, you know, I'm, I'm here for like a quick sprint, you know, and then I'm, and then I'm handing the baton back to Kelly Sue uh, you know, and she's gonna, she's gonna, take us to the finale of Aquaman but um for me the two the two most important things that I I saw about Jackson that I wanted to get across to people was that one that he's black and obviously like you can see that you know when you look at him but also just like there's so many there's no one way to be black and there's no right way to be black and there's a lot of different You know, variations, not only when it comes to skin tone, but also when it comes to just, you know, where you're coming from and, and, um, you know, your upbringing. Uh, But then there's a lot of just like shared things, you know, within the black community, things that are universal, things that we all can relate to. Um, and I wanted to bring those elements to his character. But the second thing that you can't see is that he's gay, right? Like that's something that, you know, maybe if you're looking at him, you can't really tell. Um, and I, I wanted to make that an explicit thing that like by the, by the, by the first four or five pages that you read, you're going to know that Jackson's gay. You know what I mean? We're not going to beat around the bush. we are not going to, you know, kind of like lead you on and have you like, I wonder, you know, it's, it's going to, it's going to happen. Right. Um, and, and, you know, introduce, uh, you know, all these different elements, uh, you know, for him as a character where you can kind of latch on and, and, um, you know, see his growth. So, uh, the story itself is going to be about Jackson, uh, making a deal with his father, who is Black Manta, who is Aquaman's, maybe if not for Ocean Master, like his, his arch nemesis, you know, they're kind of neck and neck. um. And, you know, this deal involves him going to Zebel, which is where he's from in the comics. Um, His mom, you know, originally kind of ran away with Black Manta and helped him him steal something from Zebel. So his mom can't go back to Zebel. He's never been to Zebel. Uh, So it's this part of his, his, his history and his past that he's been cut off from. And now he gets to see it for the first time, albeit working for his father who he hates uh, and has all this history with, and being accompanied by um, his grandfather, who is his consciousness has been put into a giant robot uh, because it's comics. Uh, So, so, uh, you know, he's, he's also getting to meet another member of his family for the first time. Um, And, you know, that's a big moment for him. And so, I was thinking about you know what what story can I tell you know about Jackson and his family, and you know i I, I settled on there's got to be some generational trauma going on here, right, just from his grandfather to Black manta to him you know, all the things that these people have probably seen in their lives, you know, as Black men. And then obviously, like, Black Manta being not just, like, a supervillain, but, like, notorious, like, member of the Legion of Doom, like, tried to take over the world several times. Supervillain, like, that's, you know, that's part of your legacy as his son. Like, that's something that you have to grapple with. And so, you know, for Jackson, it's like, how do I get away from this, you know, and kind of forge my own path. Uh, but at the same time, wanting to reach out to his grandfather, who is, you know, like just a tough, old, you know, like bootstraps kind of guy from, you know, the the 70s, who was just kind of like, look, you know, you dress a certain way, you act a certain way, present yourself a certain way, you work hard, you get results, right? And, you know, Jackson's kind of like, that not my experience like that's not how it's been for me um and you know I I want to reach out to you um but I don't know how to do that and from his grandfather's perspective it's like this is not the grandson I imagined you know like I, I imagined you know I would be able to go out and fish together and 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 talk about cars and girls and like Jackson is gay and loves tabletop role-playing games and you know wants to watch Janet Jackson choreography and like he's not interested in any of that other stuff so like there's a generational gap there's just a general gap between them Um, and it's about can they fix this between them can they can they come together and find some common grounds and then for Jackson specifically it's you know, okay, you know, I, I've, I've seen where I came from, right? Like, I've seen Zebul, I've seen my grandfather, I know about my father, you know, but but how can I take all this and and turn it into where I'm going and who I want to be as a person? Uh, but, there, you know, there's also, like, you know, giant fish monsters and robots and, like, stuff's blowing up and, you know, there's fighting. So, it's still, it's got all the comic book elements, you know, surrounding it. But, at the core of the story, I really wanted to get into these three generations of black men, you know, and and just how all this toxic stuff gets passed down. And, you know, as, as a younger generation, what, if anything, can you do to kind of escape from this stuff? Not even escape really, but like grapple with it, like come to terms with it and, and, you know, kind of turn it around and find your own path.
0: Wow. I mean, that's so real to life because you think about, us you know in real time like our families our our parents the parents our grandparents and all that and worlds of difference like i i wow (laughs) and i'm a little bit older so i think about how my father was a certain way um like and how i am today but versus what what my my grandfather was you know like yeah my goodness and then to you know you think about jackson you think about i have a you know like I have a father who's tried to control the world and you yeah. know, all these horrible things and is not a good person at all. You know, like you think about uh, gosh, wow. Yeah. And I'm getting more familiar with Jackson as a character. So that's why it's been like, I can't imagine what you have to walk through. Cause in, you know, in some worlds you're this, in another world you're that. Mm-hmm. It's like in three different worlds. He has this villain background his, from his father, queer background. And then, a black, a black person. like yeah. all of that. And at the end of the day, it's all pissed off. <laughs> like, it's like, <laughs> you still kind of, it's just, I couldn't imagine that. I couldn't imagine carrying that emotional load all the time.
2: Right. But, and at the same time, I still try to bring some joy to Jackson, right? Because I think that's also important is that, like, you know, it's it's hard to be carefree sometimes as yeah. a black person. It's hard to be. I can imagine how hard it is to be carefree as a queer person and just, yeah. you know, living in a world not designed for you to exist in it and still finding that joy and finding those moments of happiness. And I wanted to give him I wanted to give him that, too, because it's important to see that um, and for him as a character to have that. Uh, So, you know, there's there's definitely emotional weight to it there is definitely some, some uplifting, happy moments to it. Um, And, you know, trying to find a good balance to that so that, you know, by the time you come away with it, you feel like you got a, you got a complete experience, but you're also like, man, like I can't wait until, you know, the next issue. So I can see Jackson again, you know, doing this thing.
0: Yeah. So you're, so you're writing Jackson and you've written other characters before. What? How do you approach creating characters? How do you approach giving them um, a life and and, and nuance to different things? And how do you approach creating characters when you're writing?
2: So obviously it's two very different experiences when you're working on, you know, characters at DC or Marvel or these other places where, you know, there's already a background and a history to them uh, versus creating your own characters. Um, so, you know, the experience of writing Jackson or, or writing Batwoman, um, and, or even, you know, when I worked on bitch planet, you know, like I got to create a character, but that character had to exist in a world that already existed. Um, you know, all of that comes with a little bit of, you know, research, obviously, reading up on these characters. Um, but trying to find like, what is the essential thing about them, that resonates with people? Like, what is it about this character that people, you know, they keep clamoring for them, they want to see more stories about them, um, you know, and and kind of gets to an essential truth about them. So for Jackson, um, you know, for me, it was just like, wow, like, here's this kid who, like we talked about, he's got, he's got all this stuff, man, he's got, you know, his family history, um, you know, he's got, even just his, his superhero career, you know, starting out with the Teen Titans, Teen Titans break up. he's got nowhere to go, you know, he's kind of trying to find himself, you know, goes, joins up with Aquaman, you know, trying to get a mentorship. Um, you know, he's, he's definitely somebody who's, uh, you know, in a state of transition, right? Like he's looking for himself. You know, he's seventeen years old. Um, you know, I think a lot of people can relate to those growing pains and those coming of age moments where uh, you're 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 definitely trying to find where do I belong and and how do I, you know, kind of cement myself in that place. Um, so you know, I definitely wanted to get in that. But you know, Jackson is fun. Jackson is carefree. Jackson is is. He's gay and proud, he's black and proud, you know he's living his life, and I definitely wanted to bring those elements to it um so you know, having kind of that previous history it's it's part okay, you know, here are these things that I know right and and have already been kind of presented to me, so I definitely want to honor those at the same time. I definitely want to bring something new and different uh to the character and you know kind of build on top of that so that whether It's me writing Jackson, you know, next time or somebody else writing Jackson next time that, you know, here are some things that are foundational, you know, to continue to build this character when it's me writing, you know, my own characters that I come up with out of thin air. um, You know, it's definitely different because not only do I have to come up with a character, but I have to come up with the world that they exist in, uh, whether that's placing them in a, in a real world scenario, like Elk Mountain, where, you know, it's a real town in Montana. Um, but you know, there's obviously, you know, superheroes and supervillains and all kind of other things going on. Um, or whether it's, you know, a, a more science fiction kind of, you know, or horror or, you know, fantasy world, a world that's not like our own. Um, so I'm a very character driven writer. Like I need to know, who my characters are and what they want and, you know, what they're working towards, you know, before I really start going on a story. And I think a lot of the times, you know, when I think about creating these characters, um, you know, it's, it's, I'm not somebody who like keeps a character journal or like, you know, does all these other character exercises. Cause it's like, you know, what, what, was what, your character's birthday? And like, what was this embarrassing moment from high school? And like, uh, uh, what's their favorite color? And it's like, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't met this person. I, I need to, you know, get into it and write them and, and kind of have, you know, that experience, you know, working on them for a while before I can kind of start to answer those questions. So I usually, Start with an idea, a premise for a story, and then I think about well, you know, like who would be in this world, right? Who would be in this world of zombies? Who would be, you know, the 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 pilot of this this ship, you know, on this mission to a world nobody's ever been to? Who would be the superhero in this small town? Um, and from there, you know, I kind of I kind of put them through these paces and put them through these conversations and kind of build up the people around them. But I think. Um, you know, especially as I've kind of continued to write and grow, one of the things, obviously, obviously characters need a desire. Like, what does your character want? Like, that's step one. Um, But, you know, something I I learned recently uh, in this book I read called Story Genius um, is, it's, it's, it's what does your character want? And like, not only what is preventing them from getting it, -hmm. externally, like what is what is the obstacle, you know, so your character wants to open a business, but um, you know, the the they're competing with somebody to get this location to open their bakery, right? So that's the external thing that's stopping them. You know, they're 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 kind of in this competitive space. But also what is what is internally stopping them? You know, because I think a lot of the times in life You know, when we're kind of going about, you know, our wants and desires, there's something internally that's usually stopping us from doing something, whether that's the fear of failure, whether that's, you know, kind of these things, these past experiences that kind of continue to haunt us. Like, you know, in relationships, if if you had a terrible breakup, you know, like the memory of that is going to carry on and kind of maybe prevent you from starting another relationship if you we know we're we're you know in a car accident you know that's that's a fear or something that's going to maybe stop you from driving again or wanting to be in cars you know there's all kinds of things that kind of internally work up inside of us and so giving a character something external to work against that's kind of a plot thing but then also giving characters an internal thing to work against that's That's them that, you know, what what are they doing in their lives that's preventing them from moving on to this next place they want to get to. And so for me, when I can kind of, you know, pinpoint those things about, you know, okay, like they want to do this and this is driving the plot forward. But also like certain moments and things that are human and relatable when people read it and they say, damn, I've done that. You know, I, I know somebody who did that. I know somebody who went through that experience, who said something very close to that, um, you know, who 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 can't get out of their own way and keep messing up or, you know, they they're almost there and then life just kind of like washes them out and they have to start over again. Like there's so many different human experiences that you can put into your characters. Um, and so I, I definitely start at that point of, you know, who, who is my character? What do they want? what's stopping them from getting it, you know, in a, in a plot way, you know, but also like what's stopping, what's stopping them from, you know, making that next, next step in that choice. That's,
0: I need to do that. <laughs> I'm trying to get my characters together. Um, I am very curious about this. So as a writer, we, as I, uh, we talked about this earlier about, you know, influences and what have you. What were three things books comics and movies that basically you use to just to, to get you hype about writing What was like mm-hmm. whatever that movie was whatever that comic was what it what are those three things you can name that when you think about them it's like this is why i'm doing this this is why yeah. you know do more and what have you
2: so okay so i'll like two of my writing influences are Kurt Vonnegut and James Baldwin. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, for Kurt Vonnegut, like I, I love Cat's Cradle. I love Breakfast of Champions. I love Slaughterhouse-Five. Um, but really what I love about his writing is it feels like you're at a bar sitting down and some guy came up and just said, let me tell you a story. You know, and, and like the more that he talks, the more that you're just like, this is the most amazing thing I've ever heard in my life. Because it's not written in, I guess, a literary way where typically, you know, you're kind of like, when it feels like you're reading a book, right? Like, you know, certain writers where you read the book and like, this is a book, this is a novel and you are reading it. Um, and Kurt Vonnegut definitely comes from a place of like, this just feels loose and casual and like things are happening and characters are developing stuff is happening, but like he's, he's, he's basically like sucking you into these stories in a way that you don't even realize it until you're like 60, 70, 80 pages in. And you're just like, damn, like this, I can't put this book down. Um, so I definitely always, you know, whenever I read any of his work, I'm just like, man, how do I get it? Cause the thing about it, that's so impressive to me. And I mean, as a writer, you, definitely also know this is like the hardest thing to do is the simple thing. The hardest sentence to write is the simple direct sentence that's just like getting rid of all the adjectives, getting rid of all the extra stuff around it, and it just cuts you, right? You read it, and you're just like, damn. Like that was like four words that were just perfectly selected, put together that just like take you out, right? Um, and he does that constantly. That's just like all, every book that he writes is just kind of him getting down to the simplest barest bone way of telling a story and it just works and so I always come back to that simplicity um and 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 how just hard it is to really like narrow all these thoughts and ideas that you have down to the most simplest elements to just tell the story um and I think about James Baldwin in the same way where his writing you could, you could qualify as more complex or, you know, the, he's definitely dealing with a lot of different themes than Vonnegut's dealing with. Um, but like, you know, I've never read anybody that speaks about black people to like such a direct and just like, damn, you know, like not only am I still living that, you know, and this is an essay that you wrote in like 1952. Uh, but, um, you know, the eloquence, like the life that he gives black people, right? Like the nuance, the texture, you know, all of these things, you know, he's done it, Toni Morrison's has done it, Zoranir Horston's done it, like, you know, he's not the only one, but there's definitely a weight to it that he gives our lives, you know, whether it's an in, in essay form, or whether it's an actual, you know, novel form, uh, that just makes you go, man, like, that's, how do I do that? Like, how do I write like that? Like, how do I observe the world in that way? Um, You know, when it comes to movies, um, you know, like Moonlight is one of my all time favorite movies and, and just the ability to tell a story from, you know, childhood to adulthood, but also just like, it's a beautiful movie, like the, the, the visual look of it, the lighting of it, the way that black people look in it. I'm just like, this is, I, how do I do that? Like, how do I get all that texture and nuance in the storytelling, but also like just this very beautifully visualized story? um so I definitely come back to that it's a movie that I'm like man I can't watch that all the time because it's gonna (laughs) like I'm just gonna I'm gonna cry a lot and I'm just gonna be like you know very emotionally invested in it but you know whenever I do watch it I'm just like that's maybe a perfect movie you know um and then when it comes to comics like I am I like I like just crazy stuff you know like my favorite x-men is like ecstatics like X Force, like I like the weird, I like Dupe and like all the weird stuff, um and so I think, you know, I mentioned before, like Day Tripper is a book that I I come back to a lot, but you know, even when you think about, you know, all the different things. I mean, you think about like a Sandman and just like the scope of that. You think of like a Why the Last Man and the scope of that. You think about, um, you know. Even today, I mean, like what what uh David f Walker and Chuck Brown and Sanford Green are doing with something like Better Root, where it's just like this 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 very dense, nuanced story that contains all of this history but is told in this this, this you know, very um, you know, genre heavy, you know, horror way. Um, you know, I look at stuff like you know, Ben Passmore and like your black friend and like these just very like almost um you know they're they're kind of like you know first person comics where he's you know giving you you know the scope of his day-to-day life for things that he's witnessed um you know but they're done in a way with just so much like life and creativity and vibrancy um you know ronald wimberly and stuff like prince of cats where it's just like how do i take this like crazy you know how do i take like shakespeare and mix this with hip-hop and mix it with like all these other things um uh and there's, I mean, there's too many comics to name. I'm a huge, like, uh, Silver Age comics fan. Like, I love just, like, the off-the-wall craziness of so many of those. You know, like, the Jimmy Olsen comics where, like, he's been turned into, uh, like, a bug and is, like, you know, destroying Metropolis, but, like, also has to get to work on time and, like, uh, all that other stuff. So I think those are the things that, that definitely influenced me. But something I've been thinking about a lot and I'd be interested to hear, you know, what these things might be for you is, you know, when we come into whatever we're coming into, whether it's writing, whether it's filmmaking, whether it's music, um, there's definitely like touchstones right there's things that people say you have to read this right you have to you know and 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 you know again for comics it's like well you have to read batman year one and you have to read Watchmen, and you have to read mouse and you have to read all this other stuff but it's also like well, you have to read you know scott mcleod like you have to read understanding comics and making comics and you have to read real eisner's books and like all this other stuff and so you know we're all coming into it with the same information, right? Like we're all being loaded up with the same primary text, but what separates us and what kind of develops an individual voice is what are those things, maybe not necessarily unique to you, but those influences that you're bringing that aren't comics to your work that is is giving it a different texture and a different life. And I think for me, one of the things I've been thinking about a lot because I've been, I've been trying to work on my dialogue and make it sharper and better and, and all that stuff. And obviously, you know, you want to do it in a way that, like, it feels like a natural conversation, right? But dialogue is also not natural. And when you think about dialogue, when people quote movies, they're not quoting, you know, this 20-minute conversation that somebody's had. They're quoting that one line, right? Uh, you know there it's 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 my wife from Borat or it's like you know just like some crazy off the wall you know thing from a comedy or you know if it's if it's Dark Knight you know you're doing the Bane voice um, you know but you're also like you know I was I was born in the darkness like, I was, like all this stuff and it's like those are short to the point like things like nobody would say that in real life you know but it's but it's so close to it that like, yes, like I can I can buy that as natural dialogue. And for me, I've thought a, a lot about song lyrics, right? Like, you know, especially when you're thinking about hip hop. Like, you know, when you're quoting those song lyrics, like, you know, sometimes it's it's something crazy and off the wall and you know, all this braggadocia and stuff, but like, you know, the best rhymes, the best similes, the best metaphors in hip-hop are just like these quick one two bar things where it's just like bam there it is you know what i mean like all these things are summed up in this one line or you know even thinking about like a nina simone or a billy holiday or uh you know ella fitzgerald or you know Jim christie or all these other people marvin Gaye, uh you know stevie wonder like those song lyrics that we come back to are just like it hits you you know what i mean like they're they're giving you so much information in such a brief period of space And so, you know, I'm not a songwriter, um, but I've been thinking about like, man, maybe I should like examine that and kind of how songs are written and constructed and see if I can bring that to my dialogue because, you know, song lyrics not only have rhythm, right? You know, depending on whether it's, you know, you're singing it or rapping it, but uh, just those, those brief song lyrics, you know, everybody has a song that like, there's that one part of it that's just like, damn. Like, that's it. Like, that's the part of the song that makes me cry. That's the part of the song that like, I turn up to that's the part of the song that, you know, I just I I always want to sing along to. Um, So how can I bring that element to my writing, where I'm giving you dialogue and and quotable moments that are just as impactful as that, Um, which is not going to be easy <laughs> uh, i'm gonna have to work at it but do you do you find anything in your writing that you're kind of like pulling from something that's not comics or not you know novels in general but like some o- outside influence that kind of works its way in
0: yes i when it comes to music i, I pull from prince and kate bush yeah uh, kate bush for a lot of people who don't know her which you should know her um she has a way of doing songs and telling stories through her work um, that just challenges you. And I, I, I got into her in grad school, so I just got a lot from her um, in a way of how to tell stories, how to how to build a character, what have you. Prince the same way. Prince is I've been I grew up with Prince, but the way he gives sexuality, women, men, characters through words and and the way he is able to articulate that is also special too. I, I've always found like that helps me kind of figure out who a person will be, um how to write someone evil for example. I I, I always weirdly I always go, like this is what I wouldn't do but if I was going to do this. It's that weird challenge of going into your dark side of your mind. One of the things yeah. that I love Storm as 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 an X-Men character, but there's been wonderful lines and things she has said over the years that I actually hold true to myself. Like it was something she said in um, X-Men, is it X-Men 2014 4, when they was fighting Malice? And um, she says that, she was telling Malice like, you know, you lose because I know the light and dark side of myself. And I think that's been something that I took when I was a teenager to where I was like, okay, learning the dark and light side of myself is how i approach writing if i can speak to the dark side of myself or the things i would do if i was super good or whatever mm-hmm. it kind of helps me kind of figure out what those characters are um and then also really looking at the circumstance of what the story is about if it's about witchcraft if it's about something coming for you if it's about demons you know putting yourself in situations to where you you don't always make the best decisions or you may w- make the worst decision or you just really become very selfish it's just things that sometimes you have to tackle within yourself first if that makes sense um, yeah and i i like that it scares me because i'm like wow what would i really do you know you always <laughs> think like yeah in a zombie situation what would you really do like mm-hmm. would you actually throw somebody to them in order to get away like, right if You don't know that you will say oh i wouldn't do anything like that that's horrible but then we've never been in those situations where you might, you might be like, what would I do? You know, that's mm-hmm. about to have. But at the same time, it's like, it's a realistic situation. So, Oh yeah. no, you know, it's funny. I always kind of, what, what I'm doing now, uh, I'm looking at it from a lens of, if I had these powers, what would I do? Uh, there's, there's a story I'm always teetering around. I think of Carrie. And I always mm-hmm. think of like, what if there was this young gay kid you know, out of shape, a loner who had those powers. What would that really look like? What if that type of person had Frank Richards, Franklin Richards powers? Like you can just do whatever mm-hmm. you want. And it's kind of scary and freakish, but it's also really fun. So I always like to take moments from my life, moments from what I see on the news and compare it to like pop culture references like a Carrie or, you know, Franklin Richards or yeah, like that, to be like, wow, what would, what always, I like, I like to make the joke when I come to Carrie, like what if Carrie was discovered by Xavier? Like, you know, what if
2: yeah. he,
0: her, would she be anything like a Jean Grey? Or would she be something <laughs> totally different? Right. Uh, or like there was a movie called um, Rat Boy I saw when I was younger about a boy who like a rat lived in the sewers. And I'm like, that's one more lock. Like, but then what would that be, you know, writing someone something like that they didn't know what human touch was like, i think powder was like mm. powder was yeah. like yeah you know, no one ever hold him held him right and what if he was discovered by <laughs> Xavier, what would that be like so there's so many i don't know wow i think like i just took that all over the place but <laughs> yeah that's how i kind of approach writing is like looking at it from so many different perspectives and using
2: sure.
0: references to like figure out how i would do it um mm-hmm. how i would change it and all
2: for sure. Yeah, I think that's what you have to do. I think if you're not pulling influences from your own life, or, you know, from things that are close to you and around you, you know, there's there's nothing that's going to separate your work from anybody else's work. And so that's really where finding that voice comes in is like, what is it about you that makes these stories that you're telling? unique to you and that, you know, only you could do it. And this is, you know, only you could do it this way because again, every, we're all, we're all pulling in the same influences. So many of us are watching the same shows and the same, you know, movies and and reading the same books and all this other stuff. So what is it that you're doing or, or, or that's in your life that is different from somebody else's? And it's, I mean, it's not a competition obviously, but it's like, you know, if you're really trying to find that unique voice of your own, um, you know, figure out the things that separate you, you know, that, that are kind of your own and how can you build on those and, and work those into your work? Cause everybody, when you start out, you know, whoever your favorite is, like, you're going to, you're going to sound like that. You're going to ape that. You're going to be close to that. Um, you know, read anybody's first couple of comics and you can always say, oh they probably read a lot of this person or like they're it sounds like they're they're writing a comic like this person um and as they grow on and go on and and grow you know you see like oh and this is where like they found that voice that i know now like this is where they started doing you know that thing and and uh kind of building their own you know way of telling stories and so um lean into those influences whatever you have whatever it is that you enjoy but also like figure out how you can make those your own in a way that is is not just going to be you know something that anybody else could do you know
0: all right well i feel like i can just keep going on and on but i always say this i will end this interview in a way of like this was amazing just to get to know you get to know your writing style get to know what you have to offer and how we are looking forward to see, to, and seeing what you have in store for Aquaman. I know I'm going to get those, and, and I encourage everybody else to get, to, to get those. If you don't read Aquaman, um, I'll say join in when you see Jordan's name on it. Go ahead and just get into it. But tell everybody where we can find you on the social media platforms.
2: Sure. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on Instagram at jrsosa18, J-R-S-O-S-A-1-8. Um, I'm on there I'm not necessarily the most active person but I'm lurking and like you know if you hit me up you know I'm, I'm always down to, to talk so yeah
0: all right so um, y'all you c- please check out Aquaman is coming out also check out Jordan's other work um, we have um, Elk Mountain we have Bitch Plant we have his website which you can see um, other smaller works that you've done Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah check out all that stuff um, check out Crimes of Passion if you did not get that I'm sure you can probably find it somewhere
2: mm-hmm.
0: um, maybe we'll see you in more stuff as well as more independent stuff that you may have coming out
2: for sure for sure yeah I'm, I'm working so.
0: <laughs> so yeah so y'all do that and again thank y'all for joining us today so yeah we'll we'll you know check it out I'm excited to see this
2: yeah thank you for having me